talk to you without a microphone this morning. Can you hear me in the back? Oh. Psalm 26. And since you came in the door this morning and somebody put a bulletin in your hand, you had a foretaste of what this is about. God is with us. God is our refuge. Before you stand, I want to mention that when I was asked to read the scripture, Dean said, there are three C-loves in it, like beware or something. So I said, um, I, I know how to handle a seal. Nebraska, we heard Selah when the scripture was read, and we knew it meant to think about these things. That's truth. That's not all the truth there is, but that's truth. It can also be, listen up, there's more coming, as if it were a note to the musician or to the reader. It can mean, as the Amplified Bible says, pause. Consider these things. Or pause. Think about these things calmly. Or calmly think about these things. I'm not sure what that's going to be about. But okay, will you stand down? It's 559 if you haven't found it and you want to follow along, or you see it in front of Psalm 26. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Zillah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And the reassurance. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. Thank you. Thank you, Gail. And sorry about not getting you a microphone. Um, did you see what Gail did? He came down among you. If those of you who are familiar with more traditional forms of worship, you will find that the the pastor or the priest or somebody will actually come down into the congregation to read the word of God. And that signifies that the word of God has been given to the people. And I think that's a beautiful thing. The word of God has been given to us, the people. And so we're going to consider the word of God today. 
And I'll tell you what, I get nervous doing this. I don't get nervous teaching a class. And when I was at work, I did not get nervous um, if I had to speak in front of a large group of people. But when it comes to standing up here in a worship service and trying to talk about the Word of God, I get nervous. It's kind of like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians when he told the, when he told them, I come to you with fear and trembling. Okay, He knew his inadequacy, and I know my inadequacy in trying to talk about the Word of God this morning. But I will do that. Okay, So when I began preparing for today's message, I had a particular topic in mind. But apparently God had better plans. During my study, I looked up Psalm 46 as a reference. And then I got the distinct impression that God wanted me to focus on that psalm. So today I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 46 and follow along as we work through it. Um, there are, before we get into the details of this, there are some things that I'd like us to notice. First, Psalm 46 is more than a sentimental example of Hebrew poetry. It is a strong, bare-knuckled, hard-hitting statement expressing the writer's confidence in God regardless of my, what might happen. Did you like that? Strong, bare-knuckled, hard-hitting the author was not playing when he wrote Psalm 46. He was talking about a statement of faith, or he was making a statement of faith or trusting God that could survive anything. It was tough. It could do it. Okay? Um, second, the psalm has three selahs. Gail was pronouncing it Selah. I looked it up because Gail and I talked about this earlier in the week. And everybody pronounces this word differently. Okay? They're, I couldn't decide which way was the right way to pronounce it. And so I say Selah. Gail says Selah. Some people say Selah. Um, there are other ways to pronounce it as well. Um, but let's not get hung up on that. Let's just note that they are there. This psalm was a song that was performed in three sections. After each section, the music apparently paused, and the people reflected on what they had heard. So we'll start out now with the first section. God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam. The mountains quake, and the mountains quake with their surging. And that brings us to the first thoughtful pause, or the first Selah. In this passage, God is seen as a refuge, as strength, and as an ever-present help in trouble. We need to notice, the psalm does not say God leads us to a refuge. It says, He is our refuge. It does not say that God makes us strong. Sometimes people pray to the Lord for strength. They want to be strong. But it says He is our strength. Our refuge is God Himself. Our strength is God Himself. Furthermore, it does not say that God will keep us out of trouble. It says he is our help. 
God himself is our ever-present help in trouble. Okay? And I think that those are some distinctions that need to be made because it seems like a lot of people would like God to keep them out of trouble. That they would like God to lead them to a refuge. That they would like God to make them strong. But this psalm does not say God will do that. It says God will be our strength. He will be, he will be our refuge. He will be our strength. He will be our help in trouble. Okay, next we see that because God is our refuge, strength, and ever-present help, we will not fear. This is very important. Everything else can crumble and fall. Just think about it. To paraphrase this passage, the continents can give way, the mountains can sink into the ocean, the oceans can roar, and the ground can quake, but we can still trust in God. We can live in California and we can still trust in God. All right? All we value can be lost, but we will not fear because we trust in God. I learned this the hard way when I was in my early 20s. Many of the things I thought were stable and trustworthy collapsed. My parents divorced, my health failed. I awoke in a hospital room to learn the only reason I was still alive was because a respiratory therapist would not give up on me even though the doctor was ready to quit. There were other failures as well. And after a time, I left college without a degree, stepping into a very uncertain future. There was a point where I was probably about that far from having to live on the street. It was not a fun time. In all of that turmoil, I finally learned to call on God. He became my refuge, my strength, and my ever-present help. So how about you? Have you had similar seasons in your life? It only takes a moment for things to crumble. It can be the death of somebody close to you, a disease, the loss of a job, the failure of a business, or countless other things. Everything can be lost or taken away from us except God. I hope that cheers you up this morning, okay? Because we, God can't be taken away. He does not fail. He can always, forever and ever, be our refuge, strength, and our ever-present help. And we can join the Apostle Paul as he proclaims in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7-9, through 9, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. God is our refuge, our strength, and our ever-present help. So that brings us to the first Selah. So we will move on, looking at verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. 
The God of Jacob is our fortress. In this passage we see where God is, there is gladness and stability. And nations without God have unrest and instability. So again, where God is, there is gladness and stability. Where God is not, there is unrest and instability. Verse 4 says, There is a river that makes glad the city of God. The reference to, the, to a river may remind you of Ezekiel's vision of a river flowing from the temple of God. Ezekiel 47.9 says, Where that river flows, everything will live. It may also remind you of some other scriptures. In John 4.10, Jesus said to a Samaritan woman, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, I would have asked him, or you would have asked him, and he would give you living water. All right? John 4.14 says, or he went on to explain, Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The river can represent God's word, God's life-giving and sustaining grace, or the Holy Spirit. In us, it becomes a spring welling up to eternal life. So where God dwells, there is this river that wells up in, if he dwells in us, it wells up in us and gives us eternal life. The psalm goes on to say that the place where God dwells will not fall. Luke 6:47 through 48, in Luke 6:47 through 48, Jesus used an illustration we know of as the wise and foolish builders, or builder. He said, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what he is like, or what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on a rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. Where God is, there is godness and, or gladness and stability. Okay? The house stood. Psalm 46.6 also shows us the contrast to this gladness and stability. The nations, those who live without God, are in an uproar. Some translations say they raged. The word translated here as rage or uproar comes from a Hebrew word that means to be tumultuous. Does that remind us of the world today? There is uproar and tumult within nations and between nations. Kingdoms fall or are in danger of falling. Even down to the individual level, people are unsatisfied and unstable. We frequently learn that those who seem to have everything are a mess. Just look at People Magazine next time you... Well, you might not want to look at it. But if you happen to notice as you walk out through the checkout stand at the store, you will see all these people who have more money than we would know what to do with, who have more fame than we would know what to do with, who have more of everything than we would know what to do with, and their lives are a wreck. All right? The world without God is in an uproar. 
Popular culture often disregards God. And Jesus talked about what will happen to those who disregard him. Listen to the fate of the foolish builder in Luke 6.49. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. And the scariest part of that is the destruction was complete. Okay, there wasn't a little bit left to build on. Those without God have unrest and instability. And that um, brings us to verse 7, which is where the second Selah is. But I'm going to wait a minute to talk about verse 7. We're going to go on right now to verses 8 through 11. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. These verses tell us that there will be a time when God will make everything right and he will be honored. Verses 8 and 9 invite us to come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. The word used for desolation in verse 8 is translated desolations and wonders in the Amplified Bible. According to the Strong's Concordance, this word means ruin. But it can also carry with it a sense of astonishment or a wonderful thing. The types of things God might do under the categories of, of desolations could be wonderful. Making wars to cease and destroying weapons of war are wonderful things. And God has been doing this throughout history. Think of the flood. Think of the Egyptian army as it tried to go through the Red Sea and was destroyed. Think of this huge Midian army of several hundred thousand soldiers and Gideon and 300 men routing them. And there are countless examples as we go through the scriptures, but even in modern history, of battles that happened the way they should not have happened, of armies that were destroyed that shouldn't have been destroyed. And I believe it's because God was doing some desolating. All right? Um, and we are invited to take a look at that and to think about that the desolations that God is doing and the desolations that God will do I think the deeper point here is that God is going to make everything right it's not done yet there's going to be a day where he does the final desolation so to speak in Hebrews Chapter 12, verses 26 through 28, we, we find these words. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things. So, what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful 
and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. God will remove the things that can be shaken, but his kingdom, where everything is right, where everything is it should be, where all is stable, cannot be shaken. And finally, we get to the famous words in Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I memorized that verse years ago, and I thought it was some sort of meditative thing. Okay, I'm going to be still now, and I'm going to know that God is God. But I think there's a little more to it than that. Instead of be still, the New American Standard Bible says, Cease striving. A note in my NIV study Bible says this phrase probably means enough. In other words, stop. Sometimes you'll see parents with little kids saying, stop. It's enough, okay? Um, And I think that's kind of the tone here. Be still. Here we see God's appeal to stop going our way and know or experience him. He wants us to appreciate his love and care. And one day, when everything is made right, he will be exalted among all people. He will be honored. Okay, so now we're going to go back to verse 7 because it's the same as verse 11. It's a kind of refrain or a chorus in the psalm. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. People go into a fortress for refuge, strength, and safety while there is unrest outside. Like people in a fortress, like people in a fortress, we can be in Christ and experience God as our refuge, strength, and help, even as everything around us collapses. Recently, I read about the martyrdom of St. Andrew, or the Apostle Andrew. He was Peter's brother. Anyway, while he was preaching in Patras, Greece, the governor's wife converted to Christianity. The governor was so angry that he arrested Andrew and threatened him with crucifixion. But Andrew didn't back down. Andrew's attitude was kind of like, you think you can threaten me with the cross? I've been preaching about its glories for all these years. Okay? So the sentence was carried out. Andrew was tied rather than nailed to the cross. And he continued to urge people to accept Christ for two days while he hung there. And a lot of people were converted because Andrew was hanging on a cross trying to urge them to accept Jesus Christ. Finally, the people urged the governor to take Andrew down. But according to Lockyer's book, All the Apostles of the Bible, Andrew prayed, O Jesus Christ, let not thine adversary, the adversary was the governor at Patras, Greece, let not thine adversary loose him that is hung upon thy grace. I want to think about that prayer for a moment. Andrew saw himself as hanging upon God's grace while he was hanging upon a cross. His prayer was answered. He is said to have died before they could free him from the cross. If this account is accurate, 
Andrew was so committed to Jesus that he referred to the cross he hung on as God's grace. Losing everything in the world did not discourage him from his commitment to the Lord. Torture did not discourage him from his commitment to the Lord. Truly, God was his refuge, his strength, his ever-present help in trouble. I would add to that his ever-present help in death. I sometimes think that we are a kind of fickle people. Because when things aren't going well, we wonder where the blessing of God is. Things weren't going so well for Andrew, and he considered himself to be hanging up on God's grace. God is there in spite of everything else. And the, things that he, the best things he offers us are not to even to be had in this world. Okay, we are going to go to be with him in glory. But he wants to show his strength through us while we are here. And so, yeah, I think this is a strong, bare-knuckled, hard-hitting statement of faith that we see in Psalm 46. And I really hope that we can adopt it as our own statement of faith. So how are we doing Do we really believe God is our refuge, our strength, and our help even when everything else fails? Do we really know that where God is, there is gladness and stability? Are we looking forward to the day when God makes everything right and he will be honored? Do we hear him calling? Be still. Stop and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Is your confidence in God strong, bare-knuckled, and hard-hitting regardless of what might happen? It's kind of all that I had prepared for this morning, but there's a point where now the obligation is on you. In your sermon notes, there's a place there that says response. We're at the third Selah, the third pause. And I would like you guys just to take a few minutes, a couple minutes here. I don't want to take too long and think, so how would I respond to this? Do I need to give my life to Jesus Christ today? Do I need to rededicate myself to the Lord? Is there something that I'm struggling with that I need to give up? Because I'm trusting it more than I'm trusting the Lord. In other words, is there an idol in my life? Take a few minutes and just think about that. I hope that when we're done here this morning, you can 
if you need to, you can still focus on this for the rest of the day. And so the worship team uh, or music ministry team comes back up. They're going to do a hymn called How Firm a Foundation. And I asked Maeve if she could do this. And she's always very gracious when I ask her about doing a particular hymn. But there's a reason that I wanted this one. A number of years ago, when there was, you could hear things like the morning chapel hour and the haven of rest and stuff like this on Christian radio, I was driving to work. And it was a bad day for me. I don't remember what we were what I was struggling with at that particular time, but as I was praying as I was driving, you can't do that anymore because there's too much traffic to drive with your eyes closed. Okay, but no, I, I really didn't have my eyes closed, but I was praying as I was driving, and uh, I just I didn't know what to do, where to turn. But when I was done praying, I hit the button and turned on the radio. And one of those shows had How Firm a Foundation as their theme song. And it, start, it started right at the beginning of the second verse when I turned on the radio. And I want to read to you what the second verse says. It says, Fear not, I am with thee. O be not dismayed. For I am thy God. I will still give thee aid. I will strengthen thee, help thee. And caused thee to stand, upheld by my gracious, omnipotent hand. That was God's answer to my prayer. He didn't take away the problem. He didn't give me a solution right there. But I can tell you today, I don't even remember what the problem was. But I will never forget the comfort that God gave me that day. And so, take it away, you guys. Dean, I think a lot of us can relate to that message. No, I can. If you don't like to stand and join us. 